On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're investigating crimes in turn of the 20th century Austria in Freudian police procedural Vienna blood and learning about the perils of answering the phone in Channel 5's Cold Call. And of course, after weeks of build-up and full starts, Terry has finally watched that thrilling episode of Farscape. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that finds ourselves in the unusual position of only having two main shows to review this week, which is in no way related to the fact that the link to the new season of Ray Donovan <laughs> failed to work. No connection whatsoever. I should also point out that our planned Law & Order SVU watching marathon also imploded, as it turns out the new series of SVU isn't coming next week at all. That's actually season 19, and that's coming to Channel 5's 5 USA thing. Then the 21st season is now going to Sky Witness, but that's not even happening yet. So this was a this was a, 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 a sort of a scheduling fuck-up of galactic proportions all around, wasn't it, Boyd? <laughs> yes, it was a bit of a premature ejaculation on your part of incorrect TV information. Yeah. And... Um, um, fair enough. But yeah, the interesting thing is that um, this big show, hugely popular show, is going to Sky Witness, which is their you know flagship, um, one of their flagship channels. And it used to be on Universal here. Mm -hmm. But now NBC Universal own, they, they acquired the Comcast, the parent company acquired Sky. So they're moving it to the more famous channel, which seems like a good thing to do. And is it true it's no longer going to Netflix? <laughs> Uh, that I don't which know. It, which uh, it usually does, does then. It? There oh, are okay. many people, many uh, anxious, tense SVU fans in this country right now because we used to be in a rhythm with Universal and this yeah. guy thing seems to have thrown it off and now we're two fucking whole seasons behind mm. America. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's not, not good, good boys. What, what's an SVU no. fan today? Is, I know, I know. I and the only way you can get season 20, so 19, I believe, is on Amazon, but 20, you have to order the DVD. Oh, I mean, no, so nine, 19 is starting on 5 USA and I noticed on 5 USA, oh, literally the schedule is pretty much like dawn to dusk with the show. As it should, but they're as it often be. repeats. Yeah, oh, yeah repeats. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But they are, they're the flat, they're, they're where season 19 is starting but I'm assuming that Sky Witness will have the new season quite soon, I think. I feel we may have dedicated more time than we <laughs> absolutely needed to to this point. Uh, but I'm glad we cleared that up and... And because even though you've already spoken, in honour of a viewing assignment that did go ahead, I shall introduce you both. Uh, first up, after being arrested for murder and imprisoned by the peacekeepers for three cycles on Mechar 7, she's a Delvian plant-based life form and Pau of the 12th level. She is, of course, Terry Zotozan. That made perfect sense to you, Terry, didn't it? Because you've now seen Farscape. Well, let me tell you, I'm not quite sure how many episodes of Fire Escape you need to see to be able to understand what the fuck is happening. But the answer is not two. Wait, wait, wait. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Before we do, joining us is a member of the Hynerian royal family, ruler of over six million subjects. He was, sadly, deposed by his cousin Bishan. But he's here with us today. It's Dominar Boyd the 16th. Hello, Boyd. Thanks very much. So, first and foremost this week, I believe it's time for... A critique of Northeast Australian sci-fi show Farscape or we Fire Escape first. if you're Northern. Yes, because it's the headline event, boy. Oh, it's really? the headline event. We're going to start with this. And I think, Terry, as our esteemed Farscape expert, I would now call you, take it away. What did you think? So you watched uh, The Way We Weren't from season two, yes. having already seen Crackers Don't Matter, which is batshit. So this, to give you a little bit of context, this is a... This is a oh, God, look, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. This, is, this is a slightly character-level one, which looks a bit into the past of both the ship, Moya, of pilots in particular, and looking at Erin uh, Sun and how she sort of fits into the grand scheme of things. It's a little bit dark, a little bit emotional, lots going on. Terry, what did you think? So... 
I didn't really have a clue what was happening but the bits i did understand i even read the fucking fire escape wiki page in some attempt which by the way is probably the most dense thing i've ever read in my entire (laughs) life and i did english literature at university (laughs) and read beowulf in the original old english and i think it was more confusing than that so i still didn't really know what was happening but i appreciated this episode more Tonally, emotionally, this Aaron's son. Yes, woman, Aaron's son. Claudia Black. She's fucking amazing. Yeah, she's so the best I've thing got in a it. lot of time for her. And it really, really actually really reminded me of of Buffy in places, specifically the whole narrative with Angel when he was um, good now in the future, in the mm. present. And looking back and at his Angelus times. Looking time. back at his mm. Angelus times and, and the fact that fundamentally in his soul will he always have this battle between the evil that must be within him then but also was there goodness in him then and where he is now and how you reconcile your past deeds with your present mission mm. um so i enjoyed that and it also reminded me of the 10th doctor um there was a whole bit with david tennant which is where how far will you go and and do we all have a bit of um not evil necessarily but ability to do bad even if we think it's in the name of doing good within us um, and where is the line and how often do we cross it and how much are we willing to cross it? So this one actually did remind me more of Doctor Who, which mm. is why I appreciated Except it. Except with, you know, better production values. I Marginally. Mean, <laughs> but I was going to say, I mean, it's a, we can put a fag paper between them, right? Yeah. Let's be frank. Because um, Erin Sun, she used to be a kind of following orders. She was a peacekeeper. peacekeeper. She was very much a, I'm just following orders, stormtrooper type character. Yes. And now she is redeemed. And her and Pilot, who's the the, the sort of alien lifeform yes. voice by Lanny Tupu. He's basically who, reminded me of Davros. Yeah, well, mm. kind of. Who who runs Moya's systems. Here, uh, She and he have a special bond because they share some DNA. No Don't shit. even get into that. There's a whole, so there's a whole scene where she's going, the DNA, that's in me, within yeah. you. And I was thinking, uh, and it was after a sex scene, and I was thinking... Hang on, are they? Is he somehow related? Is that somehow related to the guy she just had sex with? And that's what she means when she says no, the DNA is inside me. No, at one point me. they cut off one of Pilot's arms and used its DNA to turn her into a kind of pilot hybrid thing. Which that is also no. basically Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Donna. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. yeah. So I I appreciated the kind of like Heartland sci-fi riffs, mm. um, and it's super dark and super emotional. She's actually an amazing actor. She's very good. I'm surprised. Yeah. She's never done more shit but what's funny is her chemistry with Ben Browder in this show is one of the lifebloods of the show like yeah. it's really really good so much so that when the core when, when Richard Dean Anson left Stargate SG-1 they imported not just Ben Browder but both of them imported it into that to try and recapture that kind of buzz they've got between them and it kind of worked yeah, I mean, there wasn't much action to speak of, necessarily. No, it's more a journey of the soul. Yeah. Yes, but I enjoy I enjoyed the darkness and the soul discovery. Um, but yes, at the end of it, I read the Wikipedia page again to try and work out if I understood any more of it. And not mm. really. Mm. How much do you actually have to watch to have a basic understanding of what is happening uh i don't i mean it's hard for me to say because i don't think it's that complicated <laughs> but, but it feels like a show that would benefit from starting out at the beginning yes like, it, like to say. understand like it's a it's a it's a prison ship it's a penal ship how long you know the characters you are on there it, mm. not a penile ship but it's a penal ship and uh like uh Aronson, they encounter her in the first episode she crash lands on there and gradually she becomes a part of the crew against her better judgment um you know and, mm. and so there's all those sort of inter-character tensions 
ones in there. But you don't know any of that when you come. To no, them. no. So admittedly, you've, you've yeah. got a character. You've got three characters essentially who you're meant to understand how they kind of already relate, and then one of them, and then you've got this whole like watching this footage of the past. Mm. I mean, you say it's not complicated, yeah. but the thing is, you're a major. This geek, particular so. episode also requires a level of investment in the character yeah, relationships. I think, the, I think the people, the person at fault here is not the show, the makers of the show, or the complicated <laughs> one is James Dyer yeah. for picking an episode that's really extra bewildering. But it's not extra bewildering, but it's quite. But it's it quite. Is, if you haven't I seen nearly, it, nearly set her out with Dimey Dichotomy, which is a series two finale. But that requires you pretty much to have been following all of season two. So my favourite bit of the Wikipedia page on this show is this one. It says Empire Online ranks the show number 45 in the 50 greatest TV shows of all time in February 2013. Translation James Dyer picked it. Didn't he? Fucking 45th best show of all time. I refuse to answer on the grounds my answer may incriminate me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. (laughs) And it is, it just, it kind of wasn't what I was expecting because it is odd to see quite an Mm. adult show. As Mm. you say, there's sex and there's. You know, and it's quite cerebral and talky, as you say, not much action. Mm. And there's Muppets in the yeah. middle of it. And it's quite weird how they, to, to kind of deal with the fact that there are Muppets in the middle of this quite fairly hefty, thematically adult, mature show. And I thought, actually, what really surprised me, I thought it was really well directed, mm. kind of taking all that into account. And I think the performances, as you say, are good. And I think that a lot, you know, I credit the director, I was trying to, I uh, forgot to find out who it was for this particular episode, but it actually, it, it's not a kind of standard American TV direction at all. Well, which I think often Australian. Dates, well, Australian, <laughs> there you go. So, but isn't it, it's a joint Australian-American production. Yeah, production, it's, right. it's co-produced by uh, right. Hanson Company. It just, it just, so from that point of view, I thought, oh, this is interesting. The way it's filmed, I thought was interesting. It was just different. And it definitely didn't look like a normal everyday primetime mm. show even science fiction show and I thought that was really interesting it's, um, it's very it ha- it's very edgy in places they do some crazy stuff I think I mentioned like there's an episode that's all uh, uh, it's cell shaded animation they do some very mm. weird things mm. with and there's a whole episode where it takes place on like a like an Ibiza-esque clubbing planet and it's all based <laughs> on unreliable narration where you keep seeing the story play out from which is a trope that's obviously been used many times before I say I should say a device that's been used many times before but um but yeah, no, it's fun. And I, but one of the best things I thought they did was the the, the sexual tension between Crichton and Sun is so key to it. And they're like, well, you have that age old problem. Do you frustrate? viewers forever or do you explore it and then dispel it and so they do both they have Crichton cloned and then they do one where one clone of Crichton goes with her and they end up together and the other one goes off and they split the episodes between these two different ships and then they kill off the one that ends up with her so they end up apart again that's basically Doctor Who so there's like a, there's two versions of mm. the Tenth Doctor yeah. one of which gets to live in a parallel dimension with Rose and the other one oh, that nice doesn't speech. and it's a yeah. way to satisfy the will they won't they I I cannot be held responsible if Doctor Who rips off Farscape. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that was that was Farscape. I think we're done with Farscape now. Uh, but Boyd seems to have enjoyed it. I dare say he's binging it on the sly. Uh, Terry, I'm certain, will never revisit it, but has developed an appreciation for it. I appreciated that episode, but I will never watch another one again as long as I draw breath. <laughs> well... I that actually might. Fair. Yeah, come on. I mean, will. if I've got time. Very happy to lend you my boxer. When, although when every episode Doctor Who arrives on Boxing Day on Brick Box, I probably won't. That sounds fair. So. Good, 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 good. Right, okay, so from Farscape to what we've been watching generally, Boyd, other than Farscape, what's been on your watch list? Well, I'm, I'm, two things came to mind. One of them 
is um, the rest of the series, which I think I'm going to leave. I'm feeling, I'm sensing from Terry, having studied some of her social media this week and talked to her as a face to face, that um, that the show we reviewed, one of the shows we reviewed last week, we've seen a lot more of it. I'm up to um, the penultimate episode. Oh. Um, of uh, Gold Digger, is what I'm talking about. And let's just say, and I think we all liked it, I think we felt, but it is so effing riveting and fun and deals with pretty dark, deep, dark stuff. Have you noticed Sarah Phelps is obsessed with this show? So She's been tweeting yeah. about it relentlessly. It's total <laughs> material because it's perverse and twisted and, and sick and it revels. And it, I'm gonna, but I'm going to let Terry do more of that. Am I right that you're going to talk about I that? Am. Without watched, spoilers, of course, because that's not what we do. So, and also, I haven't finished the final, final episode yet, but the f- penultimate one ends on a brilliant note. That's all I'd say. So I can't wait to watch the last one. But what I wanted to mention is a show called The Cockfields. Is that what it sounds like? No. Okay. It's a four-part comedy, or three-part comedy on um, Gold Channel. It is one of those shows, and I felt, as I was thinking, why didn't I push more to review this? Because actually, I think Terry particularly would have liked it. I mean, and of course, the reason is because of your anti-comedy kind of hatred, <laughs> which is completely preposterous and terrible, but it nevertheless exists. It's really, it's really, it's, it's got a great cast. Joe Wilkinson, who is, it's a lot of people who are in Afterlife, and Ricky Gervais' Afterlife, who are all actually friends of Ricky Gervais, but that's not why I've picked it. Joe Wilkinson, Diane Morgan is in it. Sue Johnston is in it. Bobby Ball is in it. In fact, Bobby Ball is probably the, the funniest thing in it. And it's kind of a Mike Lee-esque, a royal family-esque. It's got those flavours of kind of low-key observational comedy of kind of normal people going about their daily lives, but the eccentricities within this family. It's basically Joe Wilkinson's character's 40th birthday. He takes his girlfriend, Diane Morgan, to meet his eccentric family, mum, Sue Johnston, stepdad, Bobby Ball. Then there's his brother is really a really odd, interesting figure. And it's quite, it's just a kind of delicate, but actually funny and really well-observed series created by um, Joe Wilkinson. And what's interesting is Joe Wilkinson, if you've seen him on, if you've seen you know, he played the postman in Afterlife, and you'll have seen him on like eight out of ten, eight out of ten cats do, do, do countdown. Him and her, he always plays really eccentric, crazy people. In this, he's totally dialed down. He's the normal one, and everyone else is a bit weird, and that's really interesting. I wanted to. I caught half of this, ah. so I was scrolling. I'll tell you why. Because I watched Gavin and Stacey, the um, childbirth episode after yes. my antenatal appointment this week, and I left Gold on, which right. I never do, and I never watch Gold. And no. this thing started, yeah. and the reason I paid attention was because I was like, is that? Fucking Bobby Ball. Yes, it's like fucking Bobby Ball. Actual Bobby yes. Ball. Yes. Do you know who Bobby Ball is? <laughs> Cannon and Ball. Yes. Correct. I'm just, yeah, it's I'm actual. just checking that James actually <laughs> yeah, knows yeah. who Fair Bobby enough. Ball yeah. is. You got to be quite impressed. I knew that. That yeah, is good. I, I am like shocked. I was surprised by yeah. like how good it was. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. So yeah, you'll love it particularly because you 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 have tastes in comedy. <laughs> I mean, James wouldn't even know where oh, to begin. Fuck no. But it's really good, and I hope it comes back for more series. It's 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 just really well done. It's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. So Look, it's on. Look forward to it. UK TV, catch <laughs> up. I do wish. I do wish sometimes this podcast wasn't just audio and therefore a podcast because James's yeah. face during your entire <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. speech then was, that's what it was like. That's why I was curious if he even knew who Bobby Ball was because yeah. there wasn't even a flicker of recognition of no. anything you were saying. No. Nothing. Eight out of ten cats. Yeah. Been, no, I don't. I, I mean, I know what a cat is. Him and um, her. Do you must have seen familiar him with her. arithmetic. Him and her. Have you not seen him and her? I know. Should, I haven't. Actually we should have. No. We should have done. What was it called? Just funny or die. We should have done that with that because yeah. that was Russell Tovey. No, I know. I know it was Russell because we talked about it with him. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I've heard it's great. I've heard it's great, really but I've not uh, yeah. I've not watched that. Sorry. Yeah. 
That's your homework. Um, I, I've been, I watched episode four of C, which I am, of course, loving. Uh, although I got some pushback on uh, Twitter from mum saying, I do not like the show. I've stopped watching it. I'm like, well, In that tone of voice. Yes, yes. <laughs> I do not like the It was show. implied. It was implied. <laughs> mm, yes. Uh, no, oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Although it's gone, it's gone, it's gone a little bit surprising. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, good. It's gone a bit surprising. Like surprising. Also, I didn't realise, it's only just twig, that uh, the wanking queen in it is love from Blade Runner 2047. Oh, uh, Which I completely oh, okay. missed. I wondered who she was. So, there you go. That's the, wanking the wanking queen. The wanking queen. As she shall forever be known. Uh, I finished Jack Ryan finally. <laughs> that took me... Yes, and no, I know, and I'm going to own it. So that took me several weeks to get through because I have to say, season two was not very compelling. Oh. I was a little bit... Shocker. Yeah, it's nowhere near as good as season one. I was I was a bit let down by it, if I'm honest with you. Dave Bond was underwhelming. <laughs> he was a bit underwhelming, yes. Uh, so that was a bit of a shame. And I've returned to The Walking Dead, which I've been meaning to do for absolutely ages, and I finally got back to it. And I've forgotten, you know, it, I really enjoyed it. Really, I'm two episodes behind, but the one that I've just seen is uh, was good. So, yeah. Terry, have you seen anything else? Gold Digger. So, okay. I stayed up all night watching Gold Digger. I, I, for some reason, I was working at home and it came up, the first episode came up on, on BBC One. And I was like, I've already seen this. I've already seen the first two, but I'm just going to watch it again. So I watched it again. And, um, and then the lovely... Lovely lady continuity announcer at the end goes, the whole thing is on mm. iPlayer. I was like, damn you, continuity nice lady. So um, I went to bed and I watched uh, episodes two, three, four and five. And then I set my alarm for 6.30 after going to bed at 2am to watch the finale. And... And obviously no spoilers because it, it twists and turns all over the shop. But to be honest, I won't even know where to start with the spoilers. Everything, everything's a spoiler. But um, what I will say is that when we did, we we like we talked about it being compelling, but we also gave it a bit of a kicking. And I still stand by all of those things. It's the most ridiculous, soapy, nonsensical in places. But oh my God, it's so addictive and brilliant and compulsive and like... And every, they do, I mean, I love an old school cliffhanger. They mm. do it superbly. Yeah. Um, he, the the boy, Benjamin, played by Ben Barnes, <laughs> remains as ridiculous. Julia Ormond just remains as fucking like fantastic. You think it's going to go one way. You're convinced it's, they're going to do something quite subversive and go another. Then it, And it's, it's just all over the shop. The kids are awful. <laughs> the ex-husbands are complete arseholes. The whole, I mean, the whole thing is so like turned up. 40% more than any real life scenario would ever be and I absolutely loved it um, and I'm very glad that I spent six hours of my life <laughs> this week when I was super busy um, watching Gold Digger I can't wait to watch the ending my favourite scene so far in, in, in the craziness level is when he starts singing to her I think it's in episode three or four in the kitchen he just suddenly bursts oh out gosh. into song it's like oh, oh okay You've, this is really weird now but there's some proper deranged stuff with yeah, the kids deranged. as well the, the kids, kids are deranged are yeah, amazing incredible the, young, the youngest one is my favourite he is so horrible for what reason are you I so know. horrible and snotty little shit that you are do you know what we should mention and we yeah. I didn't pick up on this when we reviewed it mm. is each episode is yes. told from a different 
different yes, perspective. Right. And I actually thought this is a really, really smart device. Yeah. So I didn't realise this, and, and it's called like her her lover, her her boy, her, and it focuses on the daughter's kind of perspective, her son's, mm. uh, Benjamin's at one point, her ex-husband's. Um, and it's really, really smart, actually, because it's the small, it's not a completely kind of POV episode. You don't see everything entirely mm. from their it's perspective. It's just slanted. But it's mm. slanted mm. and it makes it really, really interesting because, like, when it gets to the boys, to the her awful youngest son, you actually kind of see more of a kind of slightly yeah. rounded. But I always really like, and I always really enjoyed that about Game of Thrones. You get it more in the books than you do in the show. But when you start to, Cersei, who's been villainous all the way through when you start to I think it's in book four see you get characters from her perspective it totally changes the Mm. way you see that character because you start to understand her inner monologue and what her position is and all this stuff Yeah, Uh, but it's interesting yeah, yeah, because that character is a is it absolutely two-dimensional shitbag? <laughs> yes. And yet, and yet, I imagine, yeah, see yeah. something from his point of so view. So it's quite similar to what Euphoria did it as well, but Euphoria yes. kind of yes, skewed yes, it yes. to one character yeah. in the beginning, mm-hmm. and they, even with to the, to the point of having voiceover from that character, yes. which is very interesting. But the other thing I wanted to say is that Julia, it's what's so interesting, weird about it, extra weird, is everyone's going crazy over the top mad, but Julia Ormond is an absolute genius of brilliant naturalistic soulful as we said last week acting she's like this in this Rolls Royce of a performance she's fucking brilliant I'm telling you she's BAFTA worthy brilliant in she this, is isn't brilliant she? but have you seen the backlash about her age oh yeah so okay. she's so playing she's, a 60 yeah. year old woman and everyone's up in arms oh she's 54 and it's <laughs> and oh, part right. of me kind of gets it because I think I said last week she's the best looking 60 year old yeah. you've ever seen so that does you know everyone's like oh finally a 60 year old woman being portrayed as a sexual being on telly well kind of if I look like Julia Ormond now I'd be like shagging at like somebody <laughs> half my age um, so and, and people were very and I didn't even notice it to be honest and it was only when it went out live and everyone was tweeting and saying yeah. why couldn't you why couldn't you cast an actual 60 year old woman like she's 54 and I'm like do those six years really matter and I still can't decide if they do or not. What, I what's just that think, outrage on social media? Surely not. But I, I, I just thought, oh come on, it's fucking. Julie. We've got Julie Ormond, yeah. and she's so brilliant. In it. She's for so me, great. every other issue has to pale into significance because she's phenomenal in this thing. She is absolutely incredible. She is. Yeah. Wow, gold digger indeed. Shall we get on to some news? And this isn't really news, but Netflix. I saw Netflix put out a little thing, just basically saying uh, sex education will be back at the beginning of next year. And of course, we kind of knew that was happening anyway. But oh my god, does it excite me to see it confirmed that this is happening? I can't wait for season two of that. I've seen a sizzle reel. Have you? Yes. Oh, it looks excellent. As oh, well, such a good show. <laughs> yes. Such yes. a good show. That was that was my big surprise of last yeah, year. Sex education. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Which I think is great. Which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, the Witcher, Terry, has been renewed <laughs> for season two. Right. <laughs> Thank God. Uns- yeah. Sight unseen. So that's uh, that's good. Um, yeah. But- so they can commission a second series of a show that hasn't started yet, but not a third series of the OA. Just saying. I know. I mean, F- fucking Netflix. Come on. You- Do you know what else is happening? <laughs> Carnival Row season two has begun production. Oh, okay. How excited are you on a scale of one to you know? Not. Yeah. So that's exciting too. Um, there was some so Disney Plus launch yes. in the in the past seven day, and a lot has happened. Most of which can some be summed up by the word McClunky. 
which seems to have dominated all discussion about this streaming platform. Well, um, well let's be clear. Certain discussion in certain corners of the internet and certain corners of the Empire magazine yeah. office. Let's be yeah. frank. Yes. For a detailed monologue about this, you're probably better off listening to the most recent Empire podcast where I kind of go off on this. Suffice it to say, um, you do. there's a new line in the Han and Greedo sequence of Star Wars where Greedo, before he gets killed, simply says, My For reasons unspecified. Uh, so that eclipsed most other things, but also The Mandalorian debuted to... <laughs> <laughs> what? You're not you're not taking this. That did not eclipse only in your weird part of the internet. No. He said McClunky, and that pretty much eclipsed everything else. It did. And now we're moving on to the major massive TV show that dropped. I mean, it's small fry compared to McClunky Gate, let's be honest. But the Mandalorian drop. Now, so this is the first of Disney Plus's Star Wars TV shows. It's a really, really fucking big deal. And yet the reviews were very, very mixed and it was not greeted, shall we say, with open arms, which must come as a bit of a blow to Disney as this is their flagship launch show. That said, reviews, as we record this, reviews, uh, embargoes have lifted for the review of episode two, which by all accounts is only 33 minutes, it's short, apparently has very minimal dialogue, but is lots, lots better. Like, so apparently episode two is very good. So it's probably too early to write yeah. this show off. I think maybe the first episode probably has a lot of ground to cover. Maybe it just doesn't do what they quite want it to do. But I think, you know, we may yet... We may yet yeah, see this improve. The, the overnight reviews were basically saying that um, it's finding its pace, it's finding its rhythm, that, you know, and I always think this is the thing, right? How many times do we see the first episode of something and we're like, mm, mm, and I, then... Many times. And then you see yeah. more and more and more, and, and it's kind of an argument, really, for... There's there's obviously an arg- argument for a kind of episodic dropping and all of that, but yeah. one of the great things I think that's happened as a result of people dropping everything at once is you see the complete story. Mm. So when dickheads like us are sat around and dickheads on the internet are (laughs) writing those reviews, they're not kind of just Mm. referring to part of the story because where we're going to end up at the end of Mandalorian may not be where we began. Mm. Oh, that sounded quite profound. profound. Sound very profound. It's good. Uh, Yeah, and uh, also Kevin Feige, didn't he kick off a whole Disney Plus stink when he said you're going to need to watch the Marvel Disney Plus shows in order to understand the movies? Well, of course. I mean, right, so he he has been promoted to overlord of everything mm. everything which i presume includes all the marvel output on on disney plus mm. one of their big propositions is um you can't understand the full breadth of the s- cinematic storytelling without also seeing this stuff so i would have been very surprised if he said ah yeah. no don't worry with disney plus <laughs> don't watch it just see, the, just see the movies at the pictures yeah um i'm not surprised i mean and it's it's the biggest way i suppose the biggest strategy they've got for making disney plus worse is to make it an integral part of the overall storytelling because then you have to if you want to go and spend your 15 quid at the pictures you have to have seen the yeah. intermittent stuff on disney plus which makes it essential yeah, they said the the loki show will feed into doctor strange the multiverse of madness they're saying wandavision will also feed into that so i don't know we'll see anyway the big news of the week was the photo of yes. michael sheen as chris tarrant the internet bro- my internet yeah. broke this morning yeah. your I, internet look, was look going at, uh, yeah i, I, I didn't like see McClunky. this i was your, too busy reading up on mcclunky gates your, your internet yeah. was mcclunky our, our internet was chris tarrant yeah. have you ever heard of chris tarrant yes he used to do the capital breakfast show in oh. the 90s oh yeah he also more mummy you're right and he did the, the yes. who wants to be a millionaire yes. thing this is the forthcoming three-part drama quiz which i went on set for, oh. for, for pilot tv 
Sheen magazine. Um, and they, they unleashed a photo of Michael Sheen, who's played lots of real people before, Tony Blair, yeah. famously, etc., etc., Brian Clough, but him transformed into blonde TV presenter, shiny-faced, shiny-teethed Chris Tarrant. Everyone was like, oh my God. Because when the casting was announced, you're like, Michael Sheen, ask Chris Tarrant, how is that going to work? And you see him in this shot recreating the moment when Chris Tarrant entered the courtroom for this trial where this colonel was accused of of conning who wants to be a millionaire the colonel the colonel um, by co- in a coughing in a coughing situation that's what the whole dram- dramatisation is about was he or wasn't he doing this thing um, it looks it's incredible and um, equally excitingly Matthew McFadden plays him plays the guy who did the coughing Sean Clifford out Fleabag the mm. sister of Fleabag who's brilliant plays his wife Helen McCrory plays the lawyer it's an incredible cast it's written by Jamie Graham who did the Brexit um, film with with Ben Cumberbatch it's going to be effing great is he going to do <laughs> the Tarrant voice I think he'll he do, to, yeah, right? yeah. He commits. He commits. When he, he does commit. He absolutely commits. He's great. Yeah. I like Michael Sheen yeah. a lot. I have no interest in this, but I have I like Michael Sheen. Well, a lot. you're going to have to fucking watch it because <laughs> you're going to make me review it, yeah. aren't you? It's going to be a okay, showcase um, program. So, um, James, you must have read about this uh, Russo brothers. I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> isn't going to cause a stink on any level. So explain mm. to me how this works. So let's just recap, which is there is going to be a Marvel versus DC docu series on Queeby. Yeah. No word on whether you have to fucking wash hide it, under your duvet. Under your duvet. <laughs> um, and Anthony and Joe Russo are the ones developing it. Mm. They are famously, right, massive comic book fans, mm. um, which is how they got into directing these movies in the first place. But in a Marvel versus DC kind of battle, and it kind of tracks the rise of both and the fortunes of both, how are they not massively biased being, you know? Yeah. Marvel guys, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it's like Zack Snyder doing it. The problem with this is like I'm I'm sure they are professional enough to do a good objective job and you know, but it doesn't matter because the DC fanboys are gonna go absolutely berserk and presumably already are. They're well known for being rational. Yeah, balanced and release the Snyder cut <laughs> of this yeah. documentary series. <laughs> but he didn't work on it. I don't care. Release the they Snyder cut. Snyder to do his version. Oh my yeah. god! That, how about that? That, was a good, that? that would have been good. Release the Queeby cut. That would be great. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the only Queeby thing that you do have to watch under your duvet in is the Spielberg Spielberg thing. Spielberg. I think Spielberg. Spielberg, Spielberg. Spielberg under the bed. <laughs> Spielberg under you. But yeah. It's oh. an interesting situation. When is Queeby launching? Do we know? No. This incredibly well thought out and it's brilliant 20, idea. It's 2020. Though, yeah, I think right? yeah, next yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. 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 Honestly. When I say no. I mean, not entirely. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Have you seen that Amazon has greenlit another show from the Westworld creators? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the peripheral. That's quite exciting. Actually. Yes, it is. So this is Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, and it's based on William Gibson's sci-fi mystery thriller. Are you so. a William Gibson reader? Do you know what? I've never read anything he's ever written. I read one of his books. I had. To, I used to do a, a book review slot on Radio Five Live with Simon Mayer, and we used to do two books a week, right? And it was unbelievable because I can't even conceive, conceive of reading two books a week now <laughs> but the, we did a William Gibson I can't remember the name it was a thousand pages <gasps> and it was difficult it was so difficult they're to quite dense up. they're really really mm. dense like like 20 page descriptions of the side of a building it was hard and I'm fascinated to know how, how what they can I think this novel from the sound of it is slightly less uh, weird and mm. difficult than the one I had to read but still 
it's an interesting challenge, I think. I mean, I, when I read this synopsis, future, blah, 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 blah <laughs> I just... Future, I just, just future, future, one word. Future. It just seemed like a right up your street, James. Yeah, I'll absolutely watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking future. forward to it. Yeah. Mm. Love a bit of future, I do. Uh, speaking of which, in really no way, other than to have some kind of bridging thing <laughs> to say, um, did you see that She-Hulk has landed a lead writer uh, in the form of Jessica Gao, who is famous for, I think I'm saying that for Pickle Rick. <laughs> what? Pickle Rick. You love saying that. Pickle Rick, which is the most annoying thing that the fans of Rick and Morty continually oh, say. Okay. And anytime I see someone with a Pickle Rick t-shirt, I feel he has to hurl them under a bus. So this is a funny episode of Rick and Morty. I mean, I'm speaking to the wrong people here. But... We're both literally yeah. looking at you like... What? You know, have you heard of Pickle Rick? No. No. You've ne- literally, you've never heard of Pickle Rick? Is that a character on Rick and Morty? Okay, see, unfortunately, you're now asking me to explain something I know almost nothing oh, about. Okay. Other than, you other than... You will still manage to mansplain it. Of course I will. Of course I will. But the, the, the... Like, so whenever I've, I've argued with people about Rick and Morty, oh, why is Rick and Morty great? They'll always go, they'll always just say, Pickle Rick! Pickle Rick! I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? <laughs> Someone used to work in the Empire office who shall remain nameless. Oh my... Used to always go on, Pickle Rick! Pickle Rick! I'm like, what the... And, uh, something to do with a pickle, a sentient pickle, Rick. Like, maybe Rick becomes a pickle. I really don't know. And more importantly, I really don't care. But the person who wrote that is now writing She-Hulk. And apparently that's a good thing. Though, frankly, it doesn't recommend it to me. Although I will watch it. It's funny you mentioned Rick and Morty because is it Rick and Morty on Adult Swim or is, or am I imagining that? You know Adult Swim, the American yes. adult? Sure. Is it something to do with that? Don't, don't know. know. Oh, okay. don't this care. is people talking, talking about stuff they don't know enough about, which yes. you shouldn't yeah. do. <laughs> but just to preview... Uh, my banshee is, is is has associations with that. If your banshee is Rick and Morty, I'm leaving. It's not, I'm going to stop fucking Rick and Morty. But I do know that Channel 4 are showing the next series of Rick and Morty yes. earlier than expected to make sure there's a little gap between, because its fans are so obsessive. Does it kick off? And if off? they're listening to this right now, they'll be literally hating it. Does it kick oh off God. this week? Is it this it's week? It's the week after next, I think. But okay. it's, it's much sooner than they were going to right. originally. I do remember a few people, when we've talked about Rick and Morty before, a few people coming to us yeah. on Twitter. And going, pickle Rick. Very passionately making yes, the case for Rick and Morty. Yeah, people people do. Like when I when I talked about it and maybe mentioned that I didn't appreciate it, I got quite a lot of flack for it. But I'm I'm you know what? I'm leaning into it. I don't <laughs> like it. I refuse to like it. Pickle Rick can piss off. Fair enough. Have you heard about Helen McCrory playing the yes. Prime Minister? Yes. This is the most <laughs> exciting thing ever. <laughs> it's really exciting. What is this? I don't know this. Helen McCrory of yes. Peaky Blinders, Mother, Father, Son, and general all-round brilliance fame, who I did interview as part of my onset visit for Quiz, um, and is absolutely fantastic human being and incredibly funny and interesting, has been cast as the Prime Minister, a fictional Prime Minister called Dawn Ellison, in Roadkill, a major new political thriller for BBC One, written by David Hare, of he of brainy theatrical programmes fame. Um, and it also stars Hugh Laurie, Sidsa Babic Knudsen of The Accident and Westworld fame, Saskia Reeves, Sarah Green of Dublin Murders fame. Yes, her, brilliant, her. Patricia Hodge, Ophelia Lovett Bond. It's got a fucking brilliant cast, but Helen McCrory as a Prime Minister. That's pretty good. Is enough. She's her, great. She is great. So I think it's her and Hugh Laurie who are yes. essentially, and he plays her one of her ministers. Yeah. Just that alone, yeah, right, I'm is there. just like. I'm in. <sighs> I, I'm, no, I'm anything with Helen McCroy. But I'm quite excited, you see, because like our our representation of female British prime ministers is mm. either kind of Thatcher, yeah. 
um, Emma Thompson, yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah. and they're all kind of super right-wing, hardcore, yes. um, quite scary women. Um, I mean, Helen McCrory's kind of got form a little bit for some of that, yeah. but um, I I hope that this may be a slightly more mm. textured, interesting take. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Right, on now to reviews. First up this week is BBC Two's Vienna Blood, in which a good 70 years before Mindhunter, Freudian psychoanalyst <laughs> Max Lieberman, played by Matthew Beard, starts his own behavioural analysis unit in 1900s Vienna, teaming up with Jürgen Maurer's Inspector Reinhardt to tackle crimes via the magic of psychology. So this comes from the mind of Steve Thompson, who brought former Banshee Jericho to the screens, uh, and perhaps tellingly in some areas here, I think also worked on Sherlock, uh, with which this shares a tiny bit of DNA. Boyd, <laughs> was this psychoanalytical mystery old hat or young at heart? Oh, uh, a little bit of DNA. I think it shares a lot of well, DNA. First of all, it Sherlock. starts with bouncy Sherlockian music, yes. so you immediately know yes. what you're going to get. A Sherlockian title sequence with yes. Sherlockian music. And he's a uh, smart smart yes. twats. It's a, got a Sherlockian running time of 90 minutes per episode. It's got a Sher- quite Sherlockian direction, weird angles, interesting kind of visual ideas, set pieces. It's got two people, detectives, mismatched detectives, who kind of, by the end of episode one, funnily enough, kind of get to know each other a bit better. Yeah. Um, and um, it's got a kind of young, handsome, eccentric, willful young man, um, the, 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 this main character, who's kind of weird, weirdly mix of winsome and kind of... And yet really, really arrogant and obnoxious yeah. at various moments. Um, I would have, I kind of enjoyed elements of it. It's got a brilliant use of sort of like, there's a Gustav Klimt um, element at the beginning, yeah. the painter, the famous painter. And there's a scene in, in a gallery where this woman's looking at his Klimt paintings and has, a, has an incident, which is exactly like Dario Argento's The Stendhal Syndrome, the crazy <laughs> oh, film, one of the craziest films ever made. And I think the whole thing is almost like a homage to that because it's so similar, such a similar idea that she looks into the paintings and she feels that they're going to re- start interacting with them. It's literally like that film. I would have, I really enjoyed elements of it, but it was just, too long. It was like it, they could have done this in an hour. They really could have done this in an hour, and I think it would have. Everyone would have been much more excited and enjoyed it a lot more if they'd done it in an hour. Yeah, and I have to say because you described this to us in our pilot <laughs> podcast WhatsApp group as a period thriller romp. Yes, um, and I'm not quite sure it was a period thriller romp. There were moments of romp. Yeah, there's there's sex, um, and there is quite a lot of gratuitous violence in places, and then it's incredibly slow. Yeah, in places. Um, I thought it was. I mean, it's done impeccably. We have to say, like. The production design, mm. the score's amazing. Like every bit of it is kind of quite exquisite in many respects. But ninety <laughs> of your minutes, Jesus <laughs> Christ Almighty! Yeah. Like yeah. it's too long. There's interesting, as you say. There's interesting elements. That bit I thought was amazing, mm. and I got really excited because I was like, "Is this what this is going to be? Mm. Is it going to be weird?" And then weirdly, it kind of becomes much more traditional again. There's interesting stuff about the use of kind of. Um, uh, basically locking mad women up to, as a form mm-hmm. of kind of control mm-hmm. and punishment, and there's there's really hysteria. interesting as hysteria. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was very common at this point. At the fin de siècle, women were often imprisoned for being transgressive in some way, were often kept in um, mental institutions for years often for things like trying to leave their husbands and stuff like that. So actually all that stuff was super interesting and there were quite a few interesting threads, but there were moments where I kind of was losing the will to live because I just did a weird kind of lack of narrative Mm. propulsion at times, which means you kind of come in and out of it. It was a bit of a 
a trial to get through the full. It does have Conleth Hill in it, which is always a pleasure. Totally. Uh, He's in everything at the moment. I've very much enjoyed him. And as you said, I think the the Klimt moment, which weirdly didn't really fit in with the narrative. I don't know quite why it was there, but... That I like, I quite enjoyed yeah, that as yeah, a stylistic flourish. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, it's it's just like this is this is you know, Law and Order nineteen hundred, isn't it? Like it's just, <laughs> it's 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 a weird period procedural, and it's yeah. just slightly odd. And I think you know it uses the Sherlock template, but it's neither as you know stylish or well written or you know just rock and roll as Sherlock is. Um, and I just yeah, it's it's too long. It's a little bit too slow. Look, I thoroughly enjoy an insufferably smug investigator as I'm sure you can imagine but but I just I didn't I've just really... realised who he's like yeah he's like you <laughs> but I didn't find him quite because dis- I cared more about what's his name yeah um, and so I, I cared <laughs> more about the other guy whose name I don't remember him <laughs> let me check my notes I cared more Oscar about Oscar Reinhardt yes. I, cared more, I cared more about him and yeah. so when and this case at the heart of it I didn't find that compelling and I didn't mm, find yeah, him it so every time it kind of went back to that I was like no 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 I'm quite interested in you know he's studying under Freud it's obviously mm. the beginning of kind of psychoanalytic theory this is really interesting to me it was seen as kind of witchcraft at the time yeah. that whole bit I found super fascinating then it kept going back to this case and I was like, I don't care. Yeah, completely. And they've got an interesting thing about Jewishness, which I, which I really liked, because Conor Thill and Amelia Bournemouth, another brilliant actor, both playing the parents, the kids, the, 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 the shitty little, snotty little kids' parents, are uh, trying not kind of cover up their Jewishness a little bit. And there's really interesting stuff about that. But again, that's like an idea that's kind of there and then dropped a bit in favour of, as you say, the not particularly interesting mystery. Mm. Which yeah. is a shame. It, I think 90 minutes is a hard, hard it thing is. to sustain. It's very and hard. It doesn't do but it. But this doesn't have a particularly long or or involved plot. It's actually, when you get down to it, quite basic, mm. but dragged out. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, there's only so excited I can be about Viennese architecture. And it, it's lovely, don't get me wrong, but still. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that is Vienna Blood. And this debut is on BBC Two on Monday, November the 18th at 9 p.m. Conleth Hill and all. Uh, next up this week, we have Cold Call, which stars Sally Lindsay as June, a carer who's suckered by a cold-calling fraudster and tricked out of everything she has. She teams up with a not-at-all dodgy old friend to try and get it all back. Now, Terry, I've heard you've been in an accident recently. Did you know you could claim thousands in compensation and thanks to our no-win-no-fee policy, all it will cost you is a review of this most Channel 5 of all TV shows. So as I watched this a few weeks ago... Um, and I should, uh, full disclaimer, I hosted a Q&A with the cast of this um, one morning is I was thinking James Dyer is going to hate this <laughs> very, very, very much. We should say that this is part of um, kind of Channel f- uh, 5 trying to move into their own original dramas. I think they've seen the success that's had for other British channels, especially. So I think it's their first original drama in four years. Um And it is Sally Lindsay, who I have so much time for, I can't tell you. Um, Northern, great actor. Um, And she plays, as you say, a carer who... um, takes a cold call it's it's her and her mother they take a cold call and essentially a fleece in quite an elaborate scam it's not mm. your usual cold call and everything kind of falls apart for them um and she then essentially tries to find out who it was and and you sense that it's building to some kind of like revenge or i, I think the wheels are going to come off is is what's <laughs> very clear Tar Jackwell plays her daughter her pregnant daughter who we all obviously know from line of duty 
Um, I really like their relationship. The relationship with her mum as well is really lovely. And I'll tell you what I liked about this, right? I think it's going to... There's a kind of note at the end of the first episode which makes it clear that things are about to kind of take a bit of a turn. And they're describing this as this kind of cat and mouse thriller. And I think it's going to go full deranged like implausible there's there's some implausible (laughs) moments in this um but what i actually loved about it is i think and we've talked about this before on this very podcast which is what our tv channels don't do very well is any kind of interesting storytelling about um working class characters about people in the north of england it's all fairly cliched um there's a lovely kind of warmth and humor about this there's a bit where sally Lindsay's character um, is in the house of the guy who's suspected of running the whole thing behind the cold call scam. And, you know, she, she's asked what it's like in there and she's like, oh, I went in and I was like, it's an evil lair. And that and there's these lovely moments of undercutting where they use the humour mm. to really kind of um, riff it. And I think it's not going to take itself too seriously because clearly it's going to build to something ridiculous. There's interesting class stuff in there about kind of, you know, what's happening in society between people who got money and who haven't between um working class people and middle class people um so and i mean but it is but it is soapy it is as you describe it it's it's quite channel five um it's a little bit ridiculous and hammy in places um but i had quite a bit of warmth for this funny enough you mentioned line of duty but you don't mention that the wrong one is Paul Higgins, a.k.a. Detective Chief Superintendent Derek Hilton. Yes. yes. Which, you know, we all saw that coming a mile off. Uh, also, he's a wrong one called, called Kurt Wiley. He's a fraudster called Kurt Wiley. It's like, all right, fine. A bit on the nose, but sure. Well, so, and quite a bit of it is quite on the nose, right? I mean, it's not... It's, it's not it it's punches you in the nose. It's uh, so this. The, I, it's so melodramatic and it's so soapy. And there's these. There are these terrible bits of dialogue with incredibly forced, ominous statements to try and foreshadow the plot. And it's just. I felt like this was like being beaten around the head with an anchor. It's just like I just. I couldn't. I couldn't. Like the bit when they talk. So there's a there's a a, a character with dementia in it, and one of the char- characters to kind of like in no way point out the something's going to happen. He says, oh, by the way, of course, she does have dementia, so she does make things up, eh? eh? You can't believe what she says because she's got dementia. She's like, all right, let's wait for the ominous statement to come out of her mouth. It just, it really is perhaps the least subtle thing that has ever been created. Yes. Um, I must admit, I did not enjoy it. Well, I will take your, your word for all the very you know, cutting and, and insightful uh, class subtext that is clearly present <laughs> in this. Uh, all of that was lost on me. I really like his, it. Well, Dan Ryan, who plays the obsessive yeah. guy, the friend who, who has been mm. wrong. So they meet at this support group for people yes. who have who are victims of cons, and he funny. says he can maybe help right. her get the money. Back. I I, I mm. think he's great, and they're by the they've acted, they're, they're bit friends in real life. Um, him and Salinzi. They were in Mount Pleasant, which was a really sh- a show, one of Sky's years ago kind of um, family drama that was actually really good for being a mainstream kind of comedy drama. Um, I think they're really good together. They've got great chemistry together. And I really believe this character of this obsessive guy who needs to find out because it's this burning sense of injustice mm. they've both got. But his one is this bloke trying to like, feeling every 
he will do anything, go anywhere. In fact, most of the time he has to convince her. She has to do the, mm. the, the dirty work. I loved all that. I thought it was really interesting. And I think it does tap into, I think the reason why it's such a clever thing for Channel 5 to do, and there was Blood, which was Sophie Petzl's yeah. show, which we really liked, didn't we? Which was, yes, I think, Blood was great. Which they showed. I think it was a co-production. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, but, th- but it's great. They're saying this is their oh, first fine. Okay, original fine, for fine. you. I Absolutely, yeah. Um, so but I think it's a really clever choice because I do think that their, that their viewers will absolutely yes. identify with, because I think most people in this country financially just find it hard day to day to survive. Everyone's got debt. Everyone's got credit card debt and this debt and that debt. And so finances really are at the top of mm. people's minds. Constantly. And, and, it, and this really taps into that in a really effective way. So I agree. I actually think the first, Couple of episodes, which is what I've seen, are fair. I don't agree that they're that, that ridiculously over the top. I actually think they're fairly believable. Oh my god! And I, no, I really do. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I think, I mean, you know, everyone. The characters are kind of slightly exaggerated, but I, but I also think it is. I've seen third, and it's already it's getting into semi ridiculous territory. But that's great. I'm fine but with it. What I like about this originally, and and the one thing that kind of did save this a bit for me is that and you mentioned it's quite an elaborate cold call scheme I'm not sure that's true I think actually for in terms of actual fraudster this is fairly standard practice what they do that they'll do original work they'll lay the groundwork they'll get information and then they come back and reel they're them in, a, in they're in a box admittedly in a admittedly you see the other side of the call you see him making notes which is incredible he's like writing things down like he's he's writing down like she's you know, she's a people please like who are you writing that down for you're not giving it to anyone and you're not going to come back to this call later. You're on the phone now. So why are you writing this on a but piece of paper? But also the thought that this millionaire guy is the guy. I mean, most I think most cold call scams are much more prosaic. And I think they're much more kind of like mundane. I think... But people are easily captured. But I also thought it was really clever that we get to know him, the guy, yeah. you know, without wanting to give too much away, uh, uh, who may or may not be at the centre of it. Because that's D- a really DSU Hilton. The, yes, because the more you get to know him, and he seems like a perfectly decent, normal guy, it may well, you know, who knows, you know... But I thought that was really clever and smart because that that takes you into that world even more and shows you the human beings behind... well, he showed you when Bad she things. actually gets called and you see the call centre that's doing it and yeah. them discussing it yeah. very dispassionately yes. with each other. Well, yes. Oh, well, see, this is how you now do it. Now you're talking it's... yourself into the fact that actually it's really good. Jane. No, I enjoyed that part <laughs> of it. I enjoyed that for them this was just a job and they don't think about the yeah, human of course, cost of, of doing course. it. And I think oh, another good thing about this is because people do fall for this stuff quite mm. a lot. I actually mm. don't think it's a bad thing that they're dramatising this. There's an awareness driving element to this, no, which I like. But also to Boyd's point, the, the whole thing about your one... Most people are one small or or large catastrophe away from being completely fucked, right? Yeah. So one thing, she'd sold a house to try and support her daughter who was pregnant. <laughs> and one decision, and and most people in this country at the moment don't have re- reserves of money they're sat on. Yes. And one bad decision and you're suddenly living in a dodgy, like, flat. And like I enjoyed this as a kind of parable. I like the didactic element of it. But in terms of... In terms <laughs> of the didactic element of it. Can I just say, Channel 5 somewhere are writing this down going, we've never had anybody say, I enjoy the parable of it, the didactic. I mean, <laughs> but, I really want Channel 5 to put this on yeah, the, their market. Yeah. Didactic parallel, James Dyer. <laughs> didactic but, parable. bear in mind, this show literally starts with her daughter tells us she's pregnant. She goes into talk to her mum and says, we should sell the house. It will get us a big old load of cash. Cut to she getting the cold call and obviously all this money is in this account. Like, there is no grace or subtlety to this. It doesn't mess what around. So yeah, it's fast paced. It's so I tell like, you what, bloody thing, bloody Vienna could learn a lot of lessons from this. There's this probably a happy medium between these two shows, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
We are doing BBC Two and Channel Five yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. you it's... may notice that in the build-up to Christmas, these are the weeks where not much big new stuff is on because they're all waiting to shove them out at Christmas. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a wait vintage till we get to week next week. For, oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh right. Anyway, so that's Cold Call coming to a handset near you on Channel Five Monday, November the eighteenth at nine p.m. at exactly the same time as and it runs consecutive nights at nine o'clock until Thursday. Wow. Yeah. Can't it's counter programming to I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. You may have heard of that. No. Is it really? Yes, of course. Oh my god. Yeah. Fleur. Fleur. <laughs> what? What's happening? What is that? Terry having a stroke. That's, that's, that's my, that's, what is that? That's my Nadine, Nadine Coyle oh, amazing, impression. Amazing. Like if you look up Nadine Coyle on wow. the internet, she can't say flower, so she says Who's Nadine Coyle? <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. I'm glad I mentioned it. Fleury. She's put it in the flu. What, what's happening? I don't know. I'm very confused. I mean, I, yeah. To be fair, Nadine Coyle is in I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. You know? and, and who is she? What's she a celebrity She's for? A star. Right. <laughs> is she from? Is she from a popular beat combo? She is. What, what's the name of... Oh, she's a girl's allowed. Yeah. Right, okay. She's a girl's allowed. She's a girl's, she's a girl's allowed. She's a girl allowed. She's a girl allowed. Having, they used to be my neighbours. They lived in my building for a while. Oh, what? All of yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. They shared a flat. Just, just brilliant. Oh so God. ironically, did um, did busted, and they they used to have loud parties. <laughs> and it was they were terrible, terrible neighbours. No, mansions. I lived in a block of flats, and their record label owned a number of flats oh. there, and they used to give the flats out to some of their artists. And That's Girls brilliant. Aloud uh, lived in one Amazing. bit there. After this podcast is over, thank God, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you the Nadine Coyle video. Please don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, also out this week is Ray Donovan, which is nice, yes. I guess. Uh, I'm a fan of the show. I'm sure it's going to be good. I can't definitively say so because we didn't get to watch it. Well, we got it this morning. I was told at about 9 or 10 o'clock yeah, this morning. And then by that point, I think we tried to log in too many times to find it. There, yeah, and, and now it, we're it locked, locked us out. And we were like, Do you know what? These too are short. first world problems for TV <laughs> critics. Yes. All I'm going to say is if you'd like us to review your shows, we would love to, but you have to show them to us. Indeed. Pick of the week is don't watch television, go outside instead. <laughs> um, I think we can all agree. No, it's good. Cold call. Cold call. Cannot live in a world where we're recommending people watch cold call oh, instead of, you know, anything else. I know. Oh my god. Such a fascist. Class war, class yeah. war, yeah. class war. Just because you don't have to worry about getting cold call and losing all your money. <laughs> oh, take I take my eight to grand, darling. I've got another one under the floorboards. <laughs> Why am I suddenly Patsy from Absolutely Fabulous? That was incredible. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Right. Now that we got that nonsense out of the way, um, should we have a Banshee, boys? Yes, let's do it. Go on. Hit me right. with it. I'm very proud of this this week's one. All right. All right. Um, it is, because someone tweeted about this, uh, and, and, I've, and I've lost the tweet, so I couldn't find it. So, But whoever tweeted about it in the last week um, reminded me of the existence of this thing. It's too many cooks... It's what it's called. That sounds like a reality show. If no, if you Google too many cooks um, and uh, Adult Swim, which is so Adult Swim, as I mentioned earlier, is the kind this kind of adult um, animated, mostly animated, weird, wonderful channel, and they do a thing of of infomercials, kind of fairly regularly. Anyway, this thing, this is a short that went out on October the twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen, at four a.m. 
and is one of the most brilliant things you'll ever see. And it starts out as a piss take of American sitcom title sequences. So think of um, particularly Full House, something like Full House or Benson or, you know, some mainstream American sitcom <laughs> being filmed. This has really booked me off. Um, and it starts out as that. And it's got too many cooks. And there's a theme tune. There's a jaunty theme tune. It's shot on video like an American co- sitcom in the 90s. And then it goes crazy. It just goes out there into a whole new world. And it just gets funnier and funnier and more and more demented and insane and honestly it's incredible too many cooks google it adult swim you'll see what i mean it sounds a lot like a uh, what do they call them a comedy it is a comedy <laughs> but it's unlike anything you've ever seen so I'll you're saying it's a comedy now. i might enjoy yeah i think you will because it ends up having references to all kinds of title sequences of all kinds of things of okay. science fiction things of horror things it just goes wild i feel like you're manipulating me at this point but sure no i'm I, it's all true okay Okay, yeah. I'll take that. What's it called again? Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. I, I've, I've threatened to do mine before. This is a long threatened banshee. Oh, here we go. But I want to talk about DCI banks. Oh yeah, you have. To, are you sure you haven't? No, I, I mean, I do have a spreadsheet now which says, <laughs> yeah. but I'm reasonably certain I have not bansheed DCI banks. I didn't refer to the spreadsheet, but I'm pretty sure this isn't on there. So you've got a spreadsheet to check you don't repeat yourself, but you haven't checked the spreadsheet to make sure you're not repeating yourself. Let's let's gloss over that. So so DCI Banks is ran from 2010 to 2016 on ITV. And I was absolutely obsessed with this because I discovered it in 2015 and I binged everything that had been up to that point over that Christmas. It was a DCI Banks Christmas and I loved every single minute of it. Um, so this starred uh, Stephen Tomkinson as the uh, eponymous inspector and Andrea Lowe was his sort of partner slash object desire ds annie cabot uh, and they were all and they, these are all based on peter robinson's novels which is about banks and he's sort of this this inspector tasked with cleaning up the country byways of rural yorkshire metaphorically speaking mm-hmm. um i have a real weakness for this particular strand of brit drama which is when they take a great crime novel and then they parcel them out mystery at a time where like it'd be like two-part episodes but like strike does it there have been loads of them wallander whatever you want to you know take your pick and um i love these sort of like little episodic novels translated into tv film because often unlike vienna blood they have incredibly labyrinthine complicated plots and they're really really fun and they have really really fun larger than life characters and this there's something very very sort of a comforting but b satisfying about them and uh the mysteries in dco banks were great tomkinson is absolutely delightful <laughs> as a leading man he's brilliant uh and the kind of frisson he has with low kind of adds to the whole thing plus you've got di helen morton played by caroline katz who steps in when annie and indeed low go off to have a baby and go on maternity leave and she was really really good too i think it's fair to say say you've never experienced a tv murder mystery until you've seen one set in otley he's, thro- he's throwing the otley gauntlet down no that's it fine well this was also it was quite big in the u.s where it got syndicated on pbs so i think it was quite popular in the united states as well and you can buy all of them on dvd for about a pound each or and i believe the whole thing streams on sky so you can if you've got uh, presumably on now tv as well but it's on sky go i found it there so oh. dci bank come on and also terry you would totally love this it's a bit northern it's a bit crimey there's dead people everywhere it's it's a, it's quite you well i think we have to give this week's banshee to you yes because of yorkshire represent well kind of but also just the sheer giddiness with which you like <laughs> i don't think i've seen you that excited about something since well 
McClunky, probably, actually. Well, I remember um, all the way through it, because I, I binged this almost day and night over that Christmas. And th- I was texting a friend of mine who's a police officer going, is it true they do this, this, and this? And, like, I was texting procedural questions about the show. I, I'm, can I just say, I'm absolutely fine with you winning this week, because what's going to happen is, if you're going to go away and you're going to watch too many cooks and you're going to see what the real truth of the situation or, is. Or you'll go away and watch DCI Banks and frankly, DCI, frankly oh, yeah, DCI, leave DCI, to join the police force. DCI Banks was great. It was fine. Yeah. Oh, so you like it. See, Boyd yeah, likes DCI. Yeah. See, Boyd or, votes for it too. Or somebody will tweet us pointing out that James has already done this and <laughs> yeah. Boyd will yeah. win anyway. Yeah. I, I have to forfeit it. I mean, that's also a possibility. Right. Okay. I guess that's it for another glorious episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Uh, please review the show on iTunes and give us five stars or... Alternatively, take out a full-page ad in the national newspaper of your choice. Uh, please follow us all on social media. If you don't know our handles by now, then there's probably no hope for you. So um, all I will say is next week, we'll be taking a look at M. Night Shyamalan's absolutely batshit Apple Plus show Servant. Boys looking at me, is, oh, will we? Will we? Will we? <laughs> it might yes. be embargo. Did the, you uh... just break the embargo okay, with your descriptor? <laughs> No, no, I think I've, no, I think you I think can get that a very from the trailer. strictly re-embargo, but carry on. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. The word batshit might be banned, but it's an app descriptor, I think, for this show. It really is completely bananas. Now you are breaking not it. That, not that James has seen it and he's yeah. talking about yeah. it with that knowledge. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I am simply basing my knowledge on intuition. Right, brilliant. Until then, pilot out. enjoy cooking yeah. bacon and stuff working with flour